Woi woi, woi woi, woi woi. Then it then go on the radio again. Yo, if you wanna smoke free weed, go board yourself. You need to go plant a seed. Go board yourself, make your knowledge increase. Go board yourself, go board yourself. All right, welcome to episode 35 of Grow Bud Yourself. We got a great show for you guys today. Uh, the interview is with the notorious, infamous Danny Danko, uh, myself. And we have a strain of the fortnight. We've got a grow tip on uh, trimming properly for connoisseurs. And a great show for you, Q&A as well. So stick around. The show is brought to you by Excelsior Extracts. Sweet Leaf Plant Nutrients, and Diamond Cut Co. Trimming Scissors. We will be right back with episode 35 of Grow Bud Yourself. All right, welcome back. And as always, thank you to DJ Jacques and Win Strong for the strong tune for Grow Bud Yourself. If you like free weed, Grow Bud Yourself. So is this the, what, what is this? The Kevin Durant uh, episode? <laughs> Who's what's a good KD. 35? Yeah. Why not? Yeah. Okay. Let's, let's do that. Yeah. You know, because, speaking uh, of which, like yeah. the Brooklyn Nets are looking strong. I mean, I don't know. As a Knicks fan, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at Brooklyn like, darn it. Yeah. Me too. Anyway. Barcelona's not doing so great either in soccer, so if, if that, <laughs> if that makes you feel any over. better. Yeah. Misery loves company. They're not as bad as the Jets. No. Few are. Few are. <laughs> but yeah, so, we, have a, we have a really interesting show today. We decided to do something that we haven't done in years and years, which is which is put you in the hot seat. You're actually the interview guest for this episode. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. I remember once, I think it was Rick Cusick interviewed me for one of the free weed episodes or something back in the day. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that was fun. Yeah. It's always fun when the spotlight gets turned on to you. Well, you know, people <laughs> want to know a little bit more about the person that's uh, talking to them each week. So it's, you know, I think it's interesting. Yeah. Get some good stuff out of you. <laughs> Squeeze it out. Yeah. But, um, you know, we should probably just go over some some housekeeping stuff. Uh, you know, we got the newsletter that's coming out, um, you know, every Tuesday evening. So sign up for that at our website. You don't want to miss that. Yes. Growbudyourself.com. Um, also, patreon.com slash Danny Danko is a great place to interact with the Grow Bud Yourself community. Uh, if you want to support the show in a financial way, you can do it for as little as $4 and 20 cents a month and get uh, extras and all kinds of curated content that we provide special just for you. Yeah, definitely check that out. Yes. Yeah. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Right. Uh, happy Hanukkah. And it could be, Kwanzaa. I guess our last show of the year, depending on when we get the next episode out. Um, so Maybe we'll do maybe we'll do some resolutions or maybe a look back at 2020. What a, what a great year 2020 was. There'll be lots of fun stuff to talk about. <laughs> yeah, you know, like like sitting in your underwear and uh, staring at your walls, talking to your dog. Yeah, That's yeah, it's definitely part. some uh, some adjustments to to be made this year. I think cannabis uh, had a big year as far as becoming essential. Uh, you and I you know, have some big changes in our lives when it comes to employment. We are with Northeast Leaf Magazine now. 
no longer with high times and we are with grow bud yourself podcast no longer free weed but that's exciting and uh, we are out there on an independent level now doing something new and interesting and I th- that's helped me this year to get through some of the uh, the slog of dealing with COVID and, and all the new adjustments that everybody's had to make and dealing with the, the passing of, of, of friends and, and relatives and all of that as well because that's that's been a major part of this year is, is how many people we've lost and, and you know, major changes. Well, here's hoping the next one is a little bit better, but um, we have a, we have an excellent show today. We have a terrific interview with you, Danny Danko. We have a great uh, cultivation section. We got the strain of the fortnight, grow tips, questions and answers. So I don't know. What do you think? Should we just get right into this thing? Yeah, let's get right into it. Uh, we will be back after these messages with grow bud yourself hey you guys this episode is brought to you by excelsior extracts and their incredible thc infused relief rub uh, and now this stuff really works and uh, i know it works because it's made by our friend outcast and she needs very very strong topicals Uh, So the Relief Rub is the strongest topical I've ever tried. Check them out on Instagram at Excelsior Extracts, all one word. Uh, DM them for info on the Relief Rub if you're interested and uh, give them a follow. Uh, They're great people and they grow great cannabis and make great products. So thank you to Excelsior Extracts. Now back to the show. All right, here we are. Um, and this is kind of exciting. Um, the, we haven't done this in a long time. We did it once, I think, back in the free weed days. Uh, it's almost Christmas. It's hard to get guests. But we were able to get Danny Danko. That's a big name in the marijuana industry. So we're going to we're gonna ask Dan some questions today. What do you say, Dan? <laughs> Sounds good to me. All right, excellent. Yeah, let's get to know Danko a little bit better here on Grow Bud Yourself. So first off, you haven't always been Danny Danko. So so take us back to the early days uh, of a young Daniel Vinkovetsky. You know how how did this whole thing get started with your appreciation of the cannabis plant? Okay. Um, well, first off, I was actually born in the Soviet Union in uh, Leningrad in Russia, and uh, now now it's called Saint Petersburg. But at the time, it was Leningrad. My parents came over to the United States when I was three years old. Uh, for a better life, you know, just to get to a place that wasn't run by uh, my madmen. And, and so uh, we moved here. We, we were in New York for a little bit, Virginia for a little bit, um, where my parents were basically teaching classes. They were uh, geologists uh, as well as art. My dad was an artist. My mom was a writer. Uh, but, in you know, in, in Soviet Union, you have to have a job. So they were geologists. And then we moved to Houston, Texas. We lived there until uh, my father died at eight, when I was age 11. Uh, and then we moved to Boston, Massachusetts, or more accurately, uh, right outside of Boston in Brookline. And that's where my cannabis career began. I mean, I started smoking at a pretty young age. Uh, you know, my dad's uh, passing was, was pretty, had a, had a strong effect on me. And I feel, you know, now looking back, I was obviously looking for something, uh, 
you know, something that would help with, you know, the, the, the trauma of losing my dad and, and other things. So, uh, ca cannabis came real natural to me. I, I remember hearing Bob Marley at a very young age, you know, excuse me while I light my spliff, being very intrigued, thinking about, you know, got to have Kaya now, things like that. I just, I don't know. It, it just sort of called to me a little bit. So, I uh, had the opportunity, had a friend named Tom, uh, who was kind of like the, the school pod head <laughs> at the time. And we got high. Uh, first, you know, a few times were, were a little weird, you know, like first time uh, got really, really high. But basically kind of even even from those first few experiences, I, I knew this was something that was for me. Uh, and I knew it was something that was going to be part of my life which at the time was kind of scary. I mean, it really was because it was so illegal. There was no medical. This We're talking about, this is the early 1980s, mid-1980s, uh, when it was the, the thick of just say no and, and you know, drugs were bad and that and cannabis or pot or weed or marijuana, whatever you wanted to call it, was lumped in with all the other bad. And uh, basically, I very quickly became a, a daily smoker and at the point at that point you know when you're that young which i definitely don't recommend for all, for everyone but when you're 13 14 years old and you're smoking every day you know you got to find a way to afford it and for me the way was to you know buy sell three quarters of it and uh keep one for yourself and basically smoke free weed <laughs> you know even back then the concept was um, I got to find a way to make this stuff cheaper because forty, fifty dollars an eighth is just ridiculous. Well, you and, speaking of making it cheaper, you actually became famous for uh, what was it the uh, the thirty dollar the twenty dollar eighth twenty dollar yes, eighth. This was yeah. the days of swag. So, you know, an ounce was you know one hundred and fifty bucks uh, of you know brick mexi. You know, you were lucky if it didn't have seeds in it, and you'd have to break out the seeds, break uh, bust up the the weed on like an album cover, and and roll the seeds <laughs> off the album cover. These kids have no idea. But, uh, yeah, so, and again, yeah, I did. I do have the, the distinction of inventing the $20 eighth. It was basically, eighths at the time was $25, a uh, quarter was $50. And I figured, hey, why not just undercut everybody? <laughs> I'd still make Which money. Which I'm sure your competition loved. Ingenuity. You know, they didn't. <laughs> they really didn't. But I didn't think of them as competition either. I mean, to me, it was just, how am I going to, you know, smoke for free weed, <laughs> basically. And if a $20 eighth was more attractive to people, they would buy more of them. And so, yeah, I invented the $20 eighth. People really did enjoy it. Customer-wise, it was a, a big hit. And, uh, you know, a lot of times people would just buy... Uh, you know, four or five of them for me because they knew they could get 25 for them. And uh, each one of them, they'd get an extra five bucks just to sell to their friends. And little by little, that kind of grew into uh, a bigger operation and, and a little more dangerous. Uh, and uh, then I discovered growing. I mean, at the time, the idea of actually cultivating inside an apartment or in a closet or something was, was unheard of really for me. I had seen pictures in high times of grow lights and things, but still, you know, in, in my mind, you needed acres to, to make a profit and you had to be in a tropical area. And, you know, we were importing everything from down South. And so th that was just a prevailing idea. But my friend, John, um, uh, we call him Spar. He showed me 
his grow, uh, which was literally just a 400 watt light in a closet. I remember there being a pumpkin growing in there as well as some cannabis plants and they were beautiful and they smelled incredible. And when he cured and dried, you know, dried and cured it and, and had it in jars, it was so much better than anything you could buy at the time. Uh, it was light years different. You know, this was the difference between kind, but and swag, this wasn't even mids. And then, you know, I started meeting more and more people through the sort of dead scene and through skateboarding and through hip hop and uh, little by little just started growing and uh, still, you know, being a supplier of cannabis as well. It just became a major part of my life, so much so that, you know, I ended up moving to New York from Boston after graduating BU and growing basically for a living because down here, uh, it you know, you could get a lot of, you could get 6,000 a pound or more for really good bud. And you needed to at the time too, because you had to live in New York and it was expensive even back then, although way more expensive now. So, uh, I guess through that, you know, I ended up needing to get a job, uh, just to have something to do something to tell my girlfriend's parents. I think I've told this story before, but I got a job as the shipping manager at a hemp company called Headcase. They made hemp clothing. There was no inkling of CBD or oil or any of that. This was all about fiber and seed. Um, so there was companies that did hemp seed, you know, like Manitoba's Harvest up in Canada and companies like that. And then there was companies that did hemp fabric like us. Uh, we had baseball hats. We had T-shirts. We made, you know, hats for everyone in the industry. And this is what's interesting. This helped me a lot because... I went over to Amsterdam with Headcase before uh, before I started working at High Times. I was working at a booth at the Cannabis Cup in Amsterdam, and this was mind-blowing. Uh, and my friend uh, Mike Jehoniak, who we work with to this day at Northeast Leaf, he was the salesman at Headcase. He sold the hats, and I was just the shipping guy. But we took a trip over to Holland, and uh, it was just mind-blowing to see live plants, seed companies, all of the people who I read about in high times were all right there in front of me, Ariane and, and uh, Sensi Seeds, uh, the Dronkers family and Soma, all, all the people who were already ma making a name for themselves in cannabis genetics were there as real live people you could talk to and buy seeds from. So I came home uh, with seeds and knowledge and new kind of inspiration to, to, create this new coffee shop kind of culture that I felt when I was over there. And that, you know, that combined with Jack Herrera's book, The Emperor Wears No Clothes, uh, the Million Marijuana Marches and the Boston Freedom Rallies that I had attended, that made me more political about it. And so it became more of an issue for me, not just a way to make money, but something that I really truly believed in. And Mike Cherhoniak got the job at High Times. We was only a couple of companies on the East Coast. He he was a salesman at Headcase. He moved over to High Times around 99. And I followed a couple of years later. Basically, it was like a pipeline because we we all knew the people at High Times. They bought cannabis for me, you know, to be honest about the situation. I was on a softball team. Uh, and you were, you were a reader before then? You had been a uh, High Times um, consumer before working there? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's where I got my information there and in uh, Jorge Cervantes books, Ed Rosenthal books, uh, Rob Connell Clark's books. Those were the the canon that you, you know, you, you had at the time. When you first got there, 
it must have been a, a trip, but what were you doing when you first started working for High Times? Right. Well, originally it was just answering the phone uh, when the receptionist, uh, Anne-Marie, our, our dear friend, when she would be out, you know, with uh, her kids would have to go to school or do something. Um, she would take a day off. Uh, I would be the, the interim replacement. So I would come in, answer the phone, uh, transfer calls to either the law office or to uh, different editors and stuff buzz people in and out you had to know who to buzz in and who not to buzz in because we had visitors that would just come to the office they'd see the the address in the magazine and they'd just come to new york and show up and so uh or they'd call so there, it was very interesting answering the phone and, and being the upfront person at the company because you really had to learn pretty quickly who was legit and who wasn't. And the, and the number was very similar to Peter Luger's steakhouse, if I recall, right? Is the exact number, actually, because, but Peter Luger was in code. Brooklyn, 718, yeah. and uh, we were 212. But people would call demanding, uh, you know, seats at Peter Luger's steakhouse. And, you know, at first I'd tell them, Peter Luger's is in Brooklyn. It's got a different area code. But they would argue with me. So finally I just started taking their reservations. And, uh, you know, at Luger's is famously doesn't take reservations you know you got to go there <laughs> so anyways it was that was fun too you know you get a lot of funny phone calls a lot of uh wild people out there that had some crazy ideas and wanted to bring them to the table at high times so i learned a lot real quick i mean i was like you know doing the mail so i would bring mail to the editors and to all the different people and at the time it was a very interesting staff there <laughs> i'll leave it at that but there was you know a lot of personalities and a lot of interesting uh, different people that were involved in the magazine on all different types of levels. And I kind of got an education in all of it just by being the the, the front person there. And uh, once a, a full-time job opened up, it was in products. So I worked in products. I sold the calendars and the books and all the and things. And what, what year is this about? This would be 2002, I guess, right around 2002. Uh, and all all the while, I'm still growing. I'm still, you know, kind of one of the people who's providing cannabis for, for a small group of people and, uh, you know, a larger group th through other people. And, you know, the quality of cannabis is just very steadily improving through through the through the 90s into the 2000s. And, we, you know, by 2002, you, you, there was kind bud. There was amazing uh, bud. There was Canadian. There was... Uh, stuff coming from all over, basically, uh, Northern Cali and, and uh, Vermont. And so there was lots of different options at that time. Uh, and they started to get better and better. And I was on top of it. You know, I was trying to have whatever was popular at the time. And I really enjoyed cannabis as well. And I, you know, I started making my own hash after seeing that process in, in Holland. And we were improving on that, even though, you know, what we were doing at the time would be considered pretty archaic now as far as ice water extraction. Um, but, you know, the, the, the concentration of glandular trichomes was very enlightening and very much uh, when you finally got it to bubble and, and taste good and, and have the, the amazing effect of uh, bubble hash, then, you know, you just wanted more and more. And... I really, I really loved cannabis. I really loved being a part of the scene. And around uh, 2003, 2004, I started just writing for the magazine under my real name, uh, 
as an extra added benefit just to be working there and, and I was encouraged by Kyle Cushman and a few other people just to start writing and, and see what happens. And then I think around 04, he decided to move to California and that left a void in the cultivation department that I filled basically just by being there and by writing and by knowing how to grow and knowing how to write. And from then on, you know, I was the grow guy and I started up uh, the Seed Bank Hall of Fame uh, around that time. I started doing the top 10 strains of the year uh, starting in 2005 and, you know, going over to Amsterdam for all the cannabis cups, judging every cup little by little, making a name for myself in the magazine. And that name became Danny Denko after a while. I think around 05 is when uh, the legal department at High Times suggested to me uh, in in pretty plain terms that I shouldn't be using my real name to write about all these grows that I was visiting. So I uh, I came up with Danny Danko and, and uh, had some other ones that weren't so great, <laughs> including Trey Combs. Yeah, <laughs> was, okay, so what were some of the uh, the rejects? Trey that's Combs? That's one I remember. I remember Trey like Combs. Combs? Yeah, tri oh. Trey Combs, but it was Trey Combs. <laughs> that was going to be my name. Yeah, and then I kind bad, of, actually. I had a bunch of nicknames growing up. I, I was a... a a fledgling graffiti writer and and so i had a lot of nicknames and semi was one of them and you know my last name is vinko vetsky so people called me vinko as a kid a lot so denko and vinko kind of came out of that and you know the the dd you know went along with the whole kyle cushman uh kind of the superhero thing too you know clark kent or you, you wanted that alliteration and and danny denko fit perfect for me and that's what I became and started up uh, really writing features in 05 and doing the top 10 strains and getting cover articles. And from then on, vis there was almost a circuit that you went on. You'd, you'd go to Northern California in the fall to cover the harvest, which was always very interesting and very eye-opening. And I had great editors like David Bienenstock and Steve Bloom who really helped craft my words and helped me to understand how to write in an interesting way uh, and how to edit other people. And so that was really great as well. And, and Bean is now the host of uh, Great Moments in Weed History, which is an excellent show that's out there. You guys should check out with Abdullah from Vice, Vice Land. And, 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 yeah. and Bloom is doing Celeb Stoner. That's right. And Bloom yeah. is doing Celeb Stoner. Check him out on Patreon. I'm actually a Patreon of Bloom's. And then, you know, I had the opportunity after doing all the strain write-ups for years uh, in 2011 of writing the book, The Official High Times Field Guide to Marijuana Strains. Uh, then in 2018, I wrote the B Cannabis Beginner's Guide to Growing Marijuana. Uh, you and I started the Free Weed podcast in 2011 and did that from 2011 to 2018. Yeah, so was... how did you um, decide you wanted to get into podcasting? Was there a moment? Did it just seem like a natural progression? Hmm. You know, it's, that's a good question. I was listening to podcasts and, you know, at the time there wasn't a ton of them. There was Mark Marin, who I was listening to, and there was a few cannabis shows, uh, including the John Doe radio show, uh, our friend Tim in, in Colorado was doing, there was uh, Russ Belleville, Radical Russ was doing uh, more of a news kind of show that I would co go on occasionally and do grow questions. So it kind of, it was a bit organic. I had appeared on other people's shows a little bit to be the grow guy. 
And out of that sprung this idea and you know, I needed help. Obviously I needed someone to help produce and you were awesome at uh, that sort of I thing. I wasn't doing anything. So. <laughs> <laughs> you were hiding in the corner trying to not let anyone not, not <laughs> see you. Contact. Yeah. But you brought the news uh, angle as well. I mean, you had been the web editor at High Times. You had been uh, doing a bunch of writing in the mag and, and I think you were doing a lot, a lot of online stuff, which at the time, I don't think High Times quite appreciated as much but was really where people were going for information on a daily basis to 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 hear what was going on in the news we were ahead of our time we were i do think we were and and i'm so proud of some of those shows that we did because we some some of the people we interviewed are are are, are gone now and those interviews might be one of the only times that they revealed a certain thing about their lives or about their careers so people like Dr. Lester Grinspoon and and Subcool and uh, so many guests we had along the way. I should mention, you know, rest in peace to B.O.G., uh, Bushy Older Grower, who just recently passed. Uh, he was never, I don't think he was ever a guest on the show, but uh, we may have, he may have been on a panel or two with us. And that's another thing that we did is a lot of these panels at the Cups once we started doing them in the United States, which was, I think, around 2010 or 11 is when we started with uh, Cannabis Cups in San Francisco and then beyond that into Colorado and, and, and beyond. And, and once we started doing that, the show took on a different form where we would be doing live shows. We would do uh, seminars or, or panels where we'd have five or six different growers and breeders and talk to them in front of an audience and those were those were fun as well and those exist out there there's a lot of great information and yeah i mean that's pretty much my career in cannabis there's so many so much more i can tell about fun times at all these events and and how enjoyable it all was when you do what you love it's not really the work and i had an amazing you know, 15 or 16 years or so, and then kind of a rough last couple of years. Well, yeah. So why don't, why don't you just take everybody up to um, the present? Uh, you know, all things come to an end eventually. We ended up leaving high times when they left New York. But then um, where did you go next? What was the next progression? Yeah. So, uh, you know, things, things the last couple of years uh, at high times were sort of getting strange basically is how I'll put it. Uh, there was the company was under new ownership. Our old boss had passed away and, uh, they were going in a different direction. And I mean, literally they, they moved to the West coast and I'm an East coast guy. I love, uh, California. I love visiting California, but I'm here in the East. My family's here. Uh, we're pretty well established at this point here and our families, our, our parents, uh, that are, that are living are here and so I, and, and not only that, but I saw the industry coming this way as well. Uh, and so I wanted to stay on the East coast. Uh, once COVID hit, I think, you know, they furloughed us and little by little, I think our, our roles just diminished over there. And, uh, I was looking for something new and we started up a new podcast. You and I, uh, started up grow bud yourself which is this show that we're doing now on a weekly basis which is great and independent and exciting and we found 
partners to create a new magazine called Northeast Leaf Magazine here in the Northeast. And they've been doing Northwest Leaf for 10 years. Uh, great people, a great organization, and great partners with us to do a, a print magazine, which is so exciting, that's free, which, again, is very exciting for me because uh, it really takes the pressure off. You, you print a certain amount of copies and you put them out there and and you don't have to convince anybody to spend money, money to buy it. And uh, I think that's really interesting and exciting. And we want to be the voice of the Northeast region as cannabis moves its way here. We've already got Massachusetts and Maine as being legal. New Jersey is about to be. Uh, obviously, New York and Connecticut will follow. Uh, Vermont, Rhode Island, New Hampshire. The, the whole region is changing very rapidly. And I felt like we needed some form of representation for people to understand the community, the industry, uh, the business, the cultivation side of things, all the different aspects that are going to be coming into play. And also just give people an education, Cannabis 101, so that they understand dispensary etiquette, how, you know, how to, how to act inside a dispensary, what, what type of questions to ask to find the thing that you want and, you know, what, the, what your options are as far as flowers and concentrates and how those concentrates are made, how they're tested, edibles, tinctures, RSO, all these different options that people have depending on what, why they are turning to cannabis. And really it's always the, the, the thread line through all of it has just been loving cannabis and wanting to spread the word and, you know, changing the perception of this healing flower from some type of a dangerous narcotic to uh, a plant medicine that can help and really has helped me in my life, has helped countless people that I've met, uh, has saved lives of many people that I've met, and really does not deserve to be treated in the way that it has been, and really needs to be understood as a medicine. And I think that goes for uh, some psychedelics as well. I think the plants have a lot to teach us and I think we just need to stop and listen. And there's a lot of egos in the industry. There's a lot of people who make it about themselves and even of course m me, you know, and the whole Danny Danko persona and all the social media and it, you know, everybody has to promote themselves, but, and there's nothing wrong with, with that. There's nothing wrong with making money either, but the real thing is the plant and we are in service to the plant and everything that this plant has given me is something I want to give back to the plant. And if that means spreading the word, spreading the genetics and making sure more and more people know what this amazing healing flower is capable of in their lives, uh, whether they choose to use it or not is up to them. But the fact that there's this stigma has been on this plant for so long is just shameful. And the amount of injustices that have, have occurred to people because of this plant is absolutely uh, a travesty and I and I wanted to change that and I think reading Jack and, and high times and all the different meeting meeting all the different people involved in the industry and how great and nice many of them are and all of that really just had a profound effect on me and made me want to be in service to this amazing plant and Ultimately, when people ask me for advice in the industry and things like that, I tell them, serve the plant and it, it will give, you, give back to you. But don't make it about you. Don't make it about money. Don't make it about 
anything except just the plant and and you'll succeed in my opinion i think that's really the uh the secret to success in the cannabis space <laughs> so to put it makes sense to me all right man well that was it that's a little insight into danny danko you know you guys tune in every week and listen to him and now you know a little bit more about his life and how he got here and thank you for doing that dan thank you for bearing your soul here on the grow bud yourself program uh, for those who uh, haven't been paying attention that's danny danko the uh, host of grow bud yourself and also a senior editor over at northeast leaf magazine you could see him online he is at danny danko you could also check him out at the uh, growbudyourself.com website patreon.com slash danny danko thanks for sitting down dan <laughs> thanks for having me all right we'll be right back uh with more grow bud yourself after this We want to thank you guys for listening. This episode of Grow Bud Yourself is sponsored by Sweet Leaf Plant Nutrients. That's S-U-I-T-E-L-E-A-F Plant Nutrients. Uh, the folks at Sweet Leaf have just released a new organic fertilizer line called Sweet Leaf Organic, complete with six bottles of liquid plant amendments and two bottles of dry crumble and powdered fertilizer. So please go check out Sweet Leaf. That's S-U-I-T-E. L-E-A-F plant nutrients at www.sweetleaf.com and use code DANKO15 for 15% off your entire order. Thank you, Sweetleaf. Uh, we're so happy to have you as a sponsor again, and the new product line is amazing. Don't forget to check them out. Sweetleaf.com, DANKO15 for 15% off. All right, we are back, and I believe we are in the cultivation segment of the show, correct? We are, yeah. We're in the cultivation uh, segment. That was a great interview. Uh, you know, I can't believe we were able to get Danny Danko. It was really <laughs> very cool of him to give us a little time. I know this is a, a tough time of year, but good Indeed. interview. And Indeed. welcome, everybody, to the cultivation segment, which, of course, is sponsored by Diamond Cut. Yes, Diamond Cut Co., which are the premier trimming scissors for growers by growers made with conscious ergonomic designs and very uh, simple to use easy to clean these are the pros choice the connoisseurs choice diamond cut co um, actually promoting a deal the all pack which is all five of their different uh, sized premium trimming scissors and it comes with free plant label markers as well f-type plant label markers Normally, uh, this is $99. Uh, it's marked down to $89, and you can use the code DANKO20 for yet another 20% off. And these are truly, like I said, the connoisseur's choice. Everyone uh, who does their own trimming uses Diamond Cut Co. trimming scissors. So uh, check them out at diamondcutco.com. Definitely check them out. It's a great deal. DANKO20, 20% off. But yes, it has been a fortnight. And it is time for Strain of the Fortnite. So what do you have for us this week? Yes. So this week I want to talk about I-95. Uh, this strain has been really making a lot of noise. Uh, the flower and the concentrates in particular, too. Um, this is from Top Dog Seeds uh, and Money Mike and our friend JJ NYC over at Top Dog. Uh, that's T-O-P-D-A-W-G, uh, Dog, D-A-W-G Seeds. 
Um, so, yeah, um, the I-95, the name is, you know, a reference to, you know, the highway, United States' longest north to south highway, stretching from Florida all the way up uh, to Maine. And Money Mike and Top Dog bred these. Uh, it's it's a cultivar using strains from the East Coast. So the Triangle Kush crossed with the Legends OG or Legend OG uh, and a Star Dog for the male. Uh, so Star Dog is a chem, you know Chem Cross. That's one of JJ's uh, cr- cr- Chem Crosses, and that's the male there. And the Triangle Kush and Legend OG the female. Uh, this is a really intense chem OG hybrid from that parentage, uh, the Kush, the Triangle Kush and Legend OG. Uh, so basically, it's like chem on chem, um, reeks like a skunk dipped in gasoline, is how our friend TH Caesar describes it. Uh, definitely sweet, hashy, Afghan undertones, and just real gas. Uh, not a lot of seed packs of this out and about, and if you can get them. Uh, keep them all because even the males show really great promise for breeding potential. A lot of I-95 crosses have been coming out and have been really potent and pungent. So uh, if you can get your hands on a pack of the I-95 from Top Dog Seeds, uh, keep all the males and females and find yourself a nice pheno and enjoy it because, like I said, it's great flower and it makes great concentrates and uh, you'll definitely light up the room when you walk in with the I-95. All right. I-95, excellent strain of the Fortnite, so thank you for that. And uh, our listeners know that each week Dan likes to take on a cultivation topic that will help you become a better grower. So what would you like to discuss this week? Yes, this week I want to talk about how to trim cannabis flowers like a pro. Uh, In honor of Diamond Cut Co. Mm. being a sponsor, I just wanted to basically describe to people how to use the Diamond Cut Co.'s to to your best advantage. Uh, so trimming cannabis leaves, uh, it requires skill and patience. You really need to do it right to get the flowers to look just right. So if you want, you know, award winning type buds, uh, you want to really manicure your canvas. Don't just think of trimming the leaves off. Think of it as a manicure, like a real, uh, intense haircut. Um, now why trim your cannabis? Obviously it's going to make them look better. Uh, the flowers themselves, and it's going to make it taste much less harsh when it comes time to smoke or vape the flowers because the leaves contain chlorophyll, and the more leaves you leave on the buds, the more they're going to be have that grassy, hay kind of taste, uh, and it won't really showcase the true flavors of the essential oils, which are primarily on the flower. Uh, so remember that you can use those sugar leaves to make concentrates, edibles, tinctures, all kinds of other products. So don't think of it as going to waste. Uh, just think of it as getting yourself the best looking flowers and then having some stuff left over to make all kinds of other wonderful goodies out of. Um, again, I always recommend hand trimming flowers, not using a trimming machine unless you have, you know, multiple, you know, pounds and pounds and pounds of canvas that needs to be trimmed very quickly and might be being used in some other process than just for connoisseur flowers because you really don't want to machine trim. You're going to destroy a lot of the trichomes and beat up the, the, the plant more than you really need to at all and really degrade the quality of your cannabis. So tools that you're going to need for trimming, sharp scissors, uh, clipping trimmers. We love Diamond Cut Co. You can get 20% off, as mentioned, with the code DANKO20. 
You need some rubbing alcohol for cleaning the blades. The stickiness is really going to get those blades gummed up very quickly. And you definitely need good lighting uh, on, you know, at the table that you're working on. You want to be able to see very clearly. Uh, and a clean table, comfortable seating, some nice music playing is always wonderful. You don't want something too distracting like the TV where people are going to be constantly looking away. You just want a, uh, a nice proper environment to, to trim. Uh, next big question is do you trim wet or dry? Meaning uh, do you trim off all the leaves right as you harvest the plant or do you let it dry and then trim off leaves? This really is a it's kind of up to your personal preference. I, I think uh, personally, I like to trim dry because I think the longer the drying process, the better the flowers eventually are going to taste. And if it's for your own head, head stash, uh, why not take that extra time to get those flowers really well uh, dried and cured without, uh, you know, and, and it's slower process when you leave those leaves on. So what I do really is buck off the, the big fan leaves and uh, then dry the plants whole and then trim off the sugar leaves after the plants have dried. But some people just trim it all off all at once. It saves that extra step. And again, it's a personal preference of how you want to do it. There's advantages and drawbacks to each way. Uh, trimming wet is easier because the leaves are still turgid. So um, that, that rigorousness makes them stick out from the flowers more. Um, after drying, the leaves are going to droop and curl in closer to the buds. Makes it a little more difficult to get in there and clip them off, but they're also sort of protecting the flower. So uh, that's why wet trimming can be a little more convenient. On the other hand, if you wait to trim dry, the plants take longer to dry. That slower drying makes for a smoother, cleaner smoking experience. Uh, the longer it takes to dry your crop, the more it's going to lose that chlorophyll -y smell and taste. So Really, my advice is kind of a hybrid of using the best of both worlds. Trim off the big fan leaves and big sugar leaves even that protrude, but leave behind some of the sugar leaves to slow the drying process, protect your flowers, and the essential oil-filled trichome glands. Uh, then after your branches have dried and they snap instead of bending, that's when you do a second, more thorough trim uh, right before you start the curing process and pop those buds into glass jars. So... Take the fan leaves, take the large fan leaves off first. Be, sh be sure to remove fan leaves at the base. This avoids leaving those stalks within the flowers that end up being, um, some people call them like little chicken feet uh, or, you know, little, I don't know, it's hard to explain, but when they're in there, they're just a waste of space and you end up grinding them into your flower and really diluting the flower by having the stalks of uh, fan leaves stuck in there. So really get in there and, and uh, get those down to the base. You want to really trim them at the bottom. I, I also, if, I, if I'm not drying the whole plant uh, all as one piece hanging, I will take the branch branches from the top down and make hooks out of the branch below. So uh, it's illustrated in my book, but basically it just creates these little elbows that you can use to, to hang the plants on uh, your drying because you never want to lay the plants out on racks to dry. You always want to hang them in the air. Uh, and you want to do this in a cool, dark place uh, with plenty of air circulation without the air actually blowing onto the buds and drying them out too quickly. So 
you when you're holding the individual branches you want your scissors angled upwards and you want to clip off any of the plant material that protrudes from the bud uh, and this includes those little crow's feet we talked about the leaves that start at the base of each flower uh, you really want to remove those and uh, i've seen a lot of competition buds that left those crow's feet on and it really deducts from the points and the value at the end when those are there um, you want to rotate the branches with one hand while you snip with the other. Uh, use the tips of the pruning shears to really get down in there deep uh, between flowers for proper manicure. Remove basically everything that isn't covered in glandular trichomes. Um, if you're trimming wet, this is the time that you hang up your trimmed branches to dry. If you're trimming dry, you can now remove those trimmed buds from the branches, put them into your glass jars to cure. Just remember to clip as close to the buds as you can. And that way you'll be enjoying the ultimate aficionado experience consuming properly trimmed cannabis. All right. Very good. And, uh, and yes, everybody do check out that, uh, diamondcutco.com. They've got great offers on scissors and now you know how to use them when you get them. Let's move on to the question and answer portion of the show. Um, if you have a question that you would like answered on this show, get in touch with us. So you could email us. That is info at growbudyourself.com. You can also check out our website at growbudyourself.com. Get in touch with us there. What do you say we jump right in here? Let's do it. All right. Now, this first question comes from, uh, maybe he's having an identity crisis. Uh, it comes from Chronic D, but previously he's been D-Man on the show. So uh, Chronic D or D-Man writes, I recently read an article on a research project by RX Green Technologies regarding flushing. Uh, they say that there isn't any difference in flushing or not flushing. Now, I have always flushed over the years because it's the standard, but are you guys familiar at all with this research, and is it at all valid? Uh, thank you, and uh, what would you say to D-Man? Yes, uh, D-Man, Chronic D, uh, friend of the show. Mm -hmm. I'm actually, I am familiar with this research product project. I actually participated in this. I was uh, flown out to Colorado uh, in, I guess, the end of last year, 2019. Really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't yeah, know that. So, yeah. uh, other, so a couple other High Times people were involved as well. They wanted us to test cannabis that was flushed at different times. So a two-week flush, one-week flush, three-day flush, and no flush. And here's the thing about flushing. The more you feed your plants, the more you have to flush your plants. And the less you feed your plants, the less you have to flush them. And this is why this, uh, this study found some interesting results. Because I think with this study, what they did was properly fed the plants rather than what's typical is overfeeding. So flushing is something that's recommended because most people do tend to overfeed their plants. This is why you see burnt leaf tips. I talk about this all the time. But canvas is, is usually overfed. Uh, it's only once in a while when people just use plain water over and over and over is when, you know, people end up with deficiencies. But the reality is most people, once they buy nutrients, end up overdoing it. And that's why flushing is important. But you really do need to flush, in my opinion, at least a week, no matter how properly you feed the plants. But if you've fed lightly, it's not as big of an issue as if you feed heavily. And I think now that people have turned to lighter feeding and to more organic feeding methods that are harder to burn your plants with. Uh, flushing is less and less of an issue. But yeah, like I said, I'm familiar with that study and I think they found some interesting things. But I think, again, 
uh, you have to factor in the fact that a lot of people overfeed their plants and therefore need to flush. And so uh, you'll notice if you're flushing and it you know comes out, you can test the, the parts per million of the water coming out of your material and know that you're removing some of those excess salts that have built up over the course of you know, the vegetative stage, the flowering stage. It just happens that things build up over time. And in my opinion, they do need to be flushed out if you want to get a proper burn, uh, proper clean white ash, and the proper taste of the essential oils of cannabis. All right. Very good. Uh, I, I had no idea that you were part of that study, but there, well, that was a weird coincidence. They flew us out to Colorado basically for, for a one-night tasting where we tried four different uh, types of cannabis, same strain, grown under the same conditions, but just flushed at different times. And I thought it was very interesting, and it was a fun trip, of course. All right. Yeah. Well, good work if you can get it. Um the lifestyle of the Denny Danko. Okay, so uh, let's move on. This next one is from Monty, who writes, Hello, uh, hey, Mikey G and Danny D. Thanks for all the growing information. I've almost finished my first cycle indoors, which so far has been very good. I'm a big fan. I've listened to all the Grow Bud Yourself podcasts, and I'm going to go back and listen to all the free weed episodes. My favorites are the ones where you guys speak live without edits. The natural mistakes uh, really make me laugh. Also, the snippets at the very end are funny. Uh, my question today is, why did I end up with a one autoflower plant when I purchased a 10-pack of feminized seeds? The rest were regular females. Uh, I don't know if it's the same strain, blueberry, white widow, as the others. Cheers from Australia. Uh, what would you say to Monty? Yeah, I mean, to me, it just sounds like a packaging error on the seed breeder's part or the packager's part uh, because if you bought a 10-pack of feminized seeds and one of them ended up autoflower, I just think uh, it must have been a mistake when it came to packaging. Uh, it shouldn't happen otherwise unless there was one phenotype of those feminized seeds that just happened to be autoflowering, but that's pretty rare, and so I would imagine that there was just a packaging error, and then that way you probably wouldn't wouldn't know that it was the same strain, wouldn't know if it was the same strain, and it's probably not the same strain in that case. But uh, to me, it, yeah, to me, it sounds like a packaging error on the seed breeder's part, uh, unless maybe there was an error somewhere along the line when you planted them. But I, I'm pretty sure it's probably the package. All right. Uh, thank you, Monty. We hope that helps you out. Uh, let's go to Gunja Gonzalez, who writes Dear Mike and Danny. Uh, I was so happy to get a mention and an answer concerning my question on terpenes in episode 34. Thank you so much. Uh, okay, so, in episode 23, Danny talked about a very important topic, which is sustainability. I'm a scientist in this area, so every bit of information about sustainability that gets into the public is very precious. My question concerns the use of rock wool. Uh, as far as I know, you need to use rock wool for cloning. Are there other mediums that are comparable concerning root development, success rate, etc.? Uh, thanks again, as always, for the best podcast. So what would you say there to Gunja Gonzalez? Yes, uh, sustainability is important, absolutely. Uh, rock will not a very sustainable product. Basically, heat-spun rock, uh, similar in some ways to the insulation that you find in, in roofing and things but not a very sustainable 
product and certainly a pain in the ass to work with. You know, if you have to work with it, you really have to get it wet uh, to work with it. If it's dry, it has those shards in the air. It's very dangerous to, to even breathe in dry rock wool. Uh, so you have to work with it wet and it stays very wet. And that's one of the reasons why it's great for cloning, but certainly not the only way that you can clone plants and um, not even necessarily the best medium nowadays for that. I mean, what makes it good is because it stays moist, allows oxygen to reach the cut end of the root so that it's wet, but also uh, not soaking wet to where uh, it just rots and molds. So I have used Rockwell for cloning. It does work well for cloning. It's actually pretty easy to clone in Rockwell. And if you're just using those one inch by one inch cubes and then plopping those into uh, a much larger amount of grow medium, it's not the end of the world to just use a little bit of Rockwell in that way. But if you're trying to avoid using Rockwell altogether, there certainly are lots of, of alternatives, including just regular potting mix that's just moist and kept moist. And, and the important thing about cloning is to keep the uh, the area moist and the clone warm. So you can do that with cocoa. Uh, you can do that with peat. You can do that with, uh, they have uh, even those little cloning trays. Just fill them up with soil, keep them nice and moist, not soaked, but moist, uh, so that when you squeeze it, uh, some moisture will come out. And I like the plastic lids over the top just to keep that moisture in a bit. And you can root right into this, your soil mix and then transplant right into your larger containers filled with soil mix and avoid using rock wool altogether, which, you know, doesn't have, it has a forever shelf life. It doesn't really degrade very well, isn't pleasant to work with, uh, makes you kind of itchy. Some people are allergic to it uh, and is not a great product really uh, for the environment. So there, those are some of the options that you can use. You can really root plants pretty easily as long as you keep them moist and warm. All right. Moist and warm. I think we can all get behind that. Uh, thank you, Gunja Gonzalez. Uh, let's do one more here. This actually comes from uh, our friend, Dr. Mitch, who, um, you know, he, he does his advice column, the Ask Dr. Mitch column. But he, he got a question that, that was sort of out of his purview. So he passed it along uh, to us, and, uh, and hopefully Dan can answer it here. It comes from Dennis. And uh, Dennis writes, um, I have a question on strains. I ordered four seeds of two different strains, the Girl Scout cookies and Gorilla Glue, uh, from a reputable U.S. clearinghouse for seeds. Uh, the result of the grow was for the uh, autoflower for the auto Girl Scout cookies, three of the plants were clearly sativa and one was clearly indica. Two plants had purple leaves, the purple sativa smelled like grape flavor, while the purple indica did not. For the uh, four Gorilla Glue autos, three were indica, one was sativa, and all the plants looked different from one another. The seed company said this is normal variation, but I've been growing for 15 years and I've never seen this much variation in one strain and one grow. If this is normal, is it just the result of all the hybridization? Okay, so what would you say to Dennis about these strains? Yes, so um, one option is it could be the same problem that the other person had, which is bad packaging on the seed pr uh, producer's part. Uh, but there are certainly different 
phenotypes and variations that you get from, you know, from a batch of seeds. And it all depends basically how many filial generations, F1, F2, F3, how much that variation is going to be and how good the breeder is. You know, that's what really stabilizes genetics. So when you have an F1 hybrid and, you know, you're going to have a decent amount of variation there, you're going to have different phenotypes. And the idea is to choose the one you like and keep it as a mother plant if you want to continue to grow it over and over and over. Um, but this seems weird because these are auto Girl Scout cookie seeds. I mean, these should be behaving fairly similarly. And the phenotypical differences shouldn't be that big so that one is a indica plant with purple leaves and the other three are clearly sativas with spindly narrow leaves. I mean, that's pretty rare that you're going to have two variations of that much in something like that. So uh, and in the Gorilla Glue autos as well. I mean, autos shouldn't be this, uh, they're, they're certainly not F1 hybrids, so they shouldn't have a ton of variation at all. They should be fairly similar with maybe just a couple of different phenotypical differences, such as, you know, a, a slight difference in, in scent or flavor or growing characteristics, but not almost complete opposites how you're describing. So it could be a result of hybridization, as you mentioned. Everything these days is, you know, there's a lot of polyhybrids. And particularly if you're trying to get something like Gorilla Glue Auto or Girl Scout Cookie Auto, I mean, I've never even heard of either one of those being uh, available as autos. So if, they, if that's the case, you know, that also means that these are fairly experimental. And uh, so, you know, anytime you're going to experiment, you're going to get a, lo a larger variety of differences and if you're used to growing uh from much more stable lines of seeds you're certainly not going to see this type of variation in one strain in one grow uh but if you know you're getting seeds from a source that maybe isn't necessarily reputable although you're saying it is uh you're going to see much more differences and i think that might be where you're at so uh good luck and again uh, you're not going to be growing autos to keep mother plants anyway, so uh, your next batch should hopefully be more stable with less variations. All right. So, yeah, thank you, Dennis. We hope that helps. Thanks to everybody who wrote in this week. Again, if you have a question that you'd like answered on this show, get in touch with us. You could email us. That is info at growbudyourself.com. Check out our website. Lots of ways to get in touch. Uh, that was our ho-ho-grow section. But uh, what do you say we take a little break, come back, and wrap this up? Sounds good. All right, welcome back. And I think this is the time that we call the wrap. Time to wrap it up, man. Ha 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 ha. Yeah, well, been a great show. Episode number 35 our uh, Christmas holiday show here. Thank you to DJ Jacques and Winstrong. Thank you to our amazing special guest, the interviewee, <laughs> Danny Danko. Still can't believe Dan we Rikowski. got him. It's incredible. <laughs> Thank you to Diamond Cut Co. Trimming Scissors. Thank you to Excelsior Extracts. Check out their pain rub on Instagram. Thank you to Sweet Leaf Nutrients. Remember that code, Danko15 for 15% off. Uh, the diamond cut code is Danko20 for 20% off. And Vapor.com, where the code is GBY, 
to get yourself 15% off of everything that they sell. So please, you know, check out our sponsors and, and get their products. We believe in everything that they have. So that's pretty exciting. Episode 35. Uh, check us out on Patreon. Check out growbudyourself.com. Check out our newsletter. Sign up for that at growbudyourself.com. And yeah, Mike, how do you feel? I, I feel like it's uh, I feel like it's time. All right, let's put it in the books.